Hello, welcome to my podcast. I'm a mum of Fix My Life. I'm Antonia Jones, and I'm joined today by Gabriella Buxton, who is a budding author of The Single Mama Guide. Single mum of one, Gabriella took pen to paper to write about her own personal journey from her first trimester in the hope that she could use her experience to empower mums who also might be embarking on their solo journey into a world that we never can predict how it might turn out. Welcome, Gabriella. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. So I've just gone right into the the first part about your book. It's about empowering and helping single mums to thrive. So tell us about what led you to document such a personal journey. Yeah, well, I think I think you know the story where it's like everybody's got a book in them. Like that whole idea, like everybody's got a book in them. You just got to write it. Um, I did always kind of feel like that. I've always enjoyed writing, but I just never knew what my story was going to be. And then two years ago, I just found myself in a situation that I never thought I was going to experience, which was that I I fell unexpectedly pregnant, and and then I fell unexpectedly single. <laughs> as well <laughs> at the same time um so the the guy that I was dating at the time we'd been together for um I think we'd been together for two years at that point um but we had been on and off for about four years and he he just wasn't interested in in becoming a dad at all um and so so I kind of had a choice to make it, it was him and the relationship or it was the the baby um and it just I just really wanted to keep the baby essentially. And, you know, there was something in me that was saying, this is the time to, for you to be a mother. And yeah, so I I decided to go ahead with it, but I, I felt at first I was really deflated, really um, heartbroken, sad, angry, ashamed. Like there were so many feelings, like such a cocktail of emotions that were going on all at the same time. And I kind of got a little bit annoyed that like, is this going to be my pregnancy experience? Is this going to be how I'm going to feel throughout what's supposed to be such a magical time? And um, I decided I wasn't going to accept that. So I put all of my experience with self-development and yoga and coaching and and all of these different elements into, into what I was doing each and every day with the intention, the the pure goal of really embracing and enjoying an empowered pregnancy. And and as I was doing it, I was getting lots of women reaching out to me and seeing the journey that I was on on social media. And they were basically saying, I'm in the same position. Like, how how do I do what you're doing? How do I move past um, the heartbreak or the the trauma or, you know, the betrayal, whatever it is that had led to them becoming unexpectedly single during pregnancy or pregnant during singledom. Um, and that was that was the idea for the book, essentially. I, I put it all down as as I was going through everything. And finally, at this two years later point, it's nearly ready to, to be released. So yeah, it's been a, a long journey. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I actually read your transcript. Um, so I've had a sneak preview. So thank you so much for sharing that with me, Gabriella. And I wanted to read everything from cover to cover, but I didn't want to spoil it. So what I did was read some of like the, your introduction and read a few chapters. And I really enjoyed the account that you had going through the emotions. I actually felt I was on the journey with you. And it was really interesting and inspiring as well, just to, to understand if someone finds themselves in a situation where they are single and pregnant due to a relationship breakdown it's how do they cope 
interesting. You really went into detail about your ex-partner and that's what I really enjoyed. And I think that's something that new mums will actually connect with in your story. Yeah, I think it's important to like honour every part of the story because it's when we honour those parts that we're able to then own them. Um, And shame is such a big piece in a lot of single mothers' experiences that that's definitely been my my way is honour it, to own it. I totally agree. And and shame as well. There's so much stigma um, associated with being a single parent. And I know that you have documented that. But first of all, your book about empowerment and helping single mums to be or single mums to thrive, they may find themselves in a situation where they are married and end up being divorced or separated and will have children already and then might be on that journey to have another child again and then that relationship breaks up again so in terms of single mums thriving how would you describe that I know we we talk about feeling ashamed and all of these different emotions that come into play the couples together that the journey walking down the street and like why is my life like this how can a single mother thrive in that situation what did you do that changed your thinking pattern and your way of life for the better I think for me that first that first thing that I mentioned before of honoring it to own it so it's really kind of like getting into the swamp of the emotions um, which often because I'm, I'm very much into like I say self-development and um, you know like the world of manifesting and law of attraction and all that good stuff but so, so often a lot of those, those methods or the way that a lot of those methods are interpreted is with this idea of just focus on the positive. Like energy attracts like energy. And if you are feeling negative, then you're going to attract more negative energy. But it's so difficult to shift out of, um, out of those tricky emotions if we're not really identifying the root cause and just taking some time to sit with it and to, to say, okay, so, you know, this is what's happened. This is what is causing me to feel this way. I'm really kind of digging deep in on that to then be like, be able to recognize what it is that needs healing. Um, and then we can, we can acknowledge, okay, so, so, you know, there's this limiting belief that I have, or there's this piece of stigma, or there's this um, story that I've been telling myself that needs to shift. So now I can, I'm facing fear in the in the face, literally, and and I know what to do now. So that's a huge, huge piece. And then another huge piece that really, really helped me, and it's something that I I've always struggled with showing weakness. Like throughout my entire life, I would I'm an older sister. I've got a younger sister. I love her to pieces. She is my best friend, um, and she's very much the baby of the family. She's always cried so freely in in front of our parents or, you know, with whatever. Whereas I've always been like the big sister trying to hold it together and, and, you know, being the, the rock of support for her, I guess. And so I've always struggled with leaning into other people's support. But the idea that it takes a village, it really, really takes a village to raise a child. Like it so does. And actually, sometimes I feel like coupled mothers sometimes miss out on that a little bit because all too often, even me myself, I've thought, oh, well, she's fine because she's got her husband or she's got her girlfriend or she's got someone 
you know, who she lives with, a romantic partner who she can share the weight of, of whatever it is that she's going through with. But actually, nine times out of 10, that partner might be working full time still or um, may not be as available. They've not perhaps been there. They've not experienced pregnancy themselves. So, you know, that that mother needs that extra support, that extra family, that those extra friends, those extra services. Um, and so for me, I had to learn really quickly, like it's time to lean into those things and it's time to to let that wall come down a little bit and soften. And and it was through that that I, I really started to find, okay, like I can I can do this. I can do this with with that support. And I totally agree with you because I just recall going on holiday by myself, just had a break, and I saw a couple sitting down um, at the breakfast table and one was reading the newspaper and it was just just me people watching. Then I saw a, another couple again. They were not talking with each other. Then you, you see a mixture. I saw a family. I saw a mum, a daughter and children. And they were enjoying themselves as well. And I was being looked at because I was sitting, eating my breakfast by myself. But then I kind of turned it on its head and felt, wow, these couples are actually ignoring each other, looking at me. And I'm having the time of my life sitting here. And that is the stigma again, as you say. Um, and that's the feeling or the emotion a single person or single parent can go through that they look at other people we shouldn't be judging others and then comparing ourselves because we don't know their lives and it's about focusing on our own journey because if we start looking at other people and judging that situation then that puts a downer on things and it's very negative as well so that doesn't mm. help with our own growth so I, I totally agree with with what you're saying so just just going back a bit from your experience of finding out that you were expecting I do recall reading in your transcript about your relationship that you had with your then partner tell us about that and then leading up to the point of you announcing that you were pregnant and and those emotions because of how he felt about the situation. I found that really interesting. And I know that the um, listeners, once they get your book, will really be engaged with that and will find out your journey and that will help and support them as well to where the point where you are now. Definitely. It's, it, I think it's interesting because there's so, so many different routes that, that women come to the single and pregnant life. Um, there's, and, and for a lot of the time, I think the assumption is, oh, she, she must've had a one night stand with someone. Maybe she doesn't know who, who the baby daddy is. And now she's single and pregnant. Um, which, which sometimes happens. Like it, it does sometimes happen. No judgment on that at all. Um, I've got friends, I've got clients who, who that same thing has happened to. Um, but more often than not, the story is very different. And for example, with me, me and my ex, we were together, like I say, it was uh, on and off for about four years. And that final stretch was for about two years. Um, and honestly, it wasn't, it was not a bad relationship. I've had bad relationships in the past, um, like some of the worst sorts of relationships imaginable in the past. And and this was not that at all. Um, we got on really well. We you know, we enjoyed each other's company, had things in common. He was very much a gentleman. You know, there's, there's so many, so many good things about this guy. Um, 
but he didn't he didn't want to be a father at the end of the day and um you know we were we were kind of playing the russian roulette uh, for the last sort of year of um of the relationship where i i'd had a really bad experience with contraceptives over the last sort of 10 years or so and eventually i'd kind of i'd said we need to use something else that's not a hormonal contraceptive and so we agreed to do that and then we just didn't do that so you know what's what's going to happen after 12 months of of being off hormonal contraceptives and not actually using anything apart from you know a wish and a prayer and <laughs> all the rest of it is eventually like someone's going to potentially get pregnant um so so that's what what happened and i always knew that i wanted children um, at some point, I, I, I always kind of had in my mind between age 30 and 35, I'll, I'll have children. Um, and we'd spoken about it many times. And at first he was like, no, it's definitely not for me. And then towards the end of the relationship, he was like, you know what? Yeah, in about five years time, which sort of suits your timeline. Like I can imagine it. I can see it now. Um, and then, you know, be careful what you wish for, because literally, um, that conversation happened in the January and I found out I was pregnant in, I think it was the June or it might've been May. Um, so yeah, that, that happened. And, um, and I think he kind of reacted exactly as I expected, but the opposite of what I'd hoped, if that makes sense. Um, so, so I expected that he, he wouldn't want to, to go ahead with the pregnancy and, um, and all the rest of it. But I kind of hoped that, that the way that he was with everything else, which was often um, showing up as, as this gentleman, like I say, this kind of man of honour, um, I think I kind of hoped that that's how he would show up in this situation. But the, the fear, the panic, the anxiety, it, it all got the best of him and he just couldn't, he couldn't cope. So that was week five of the pregnancy. Um, his family weren't weren't interested. They were very much um, in support of him and his his side of things. Even though I'd been quite close with them before, so that was another kind of shedding and another sort of element of grief, I guess, um, to lose that additional support as well. Um, and and my family were incredible throughout the entire thing, um, which just is a real testament to how close and how strong we are because this was not what they had wanted for their for their daughter either my parents and or for for their sister my sister um and yet they stepped up and we we all stepped up and uh haven't ha literally have not heard from my ex since i think it was we exchanged a text i think it was the 12 week scan on the day of that i got in touch and said you know would you like to hear any updates um, and he he said, I just don't I don't see any benefit in in that. And th and that was it. And it's and, you know, we, I've been solo parenting ever since, went through the whole experience um, without a romantic partner, all of the pregnancy, all of the 84 hours of labor, um, seven days in hospital afterwards. And it's honestly been great. It's been exactly the way that it was meant to be. I totally agree with that. And you have this wonderful bundle of joy because throughout the challenges there is always hope at the end and and that mindset and that positivity which you have that's something which I have anyway and it's always 
good to have that support network around you as well. Your story in itself is really, you've gone through it and we, we can't get through this all. It's like a lifetime in, in a few moments. But what you have said so far is just what mums need to hear. And again, it is about your mindset. It is right. This is the situation I'm in in life now. It can either become me or I can plan out my life how I want it to go. And that's what it is. We never know what to expect in life. Even throughout pregnancy, we do not know how that will pan out. So it's sometimes we do have this idea, right, I'm going to do this in year two, year three, year four. It's always good to have a plan. But um, it's always good to have like a plan B as well, just in case to get you back to plan A. Um, So thank you for sharing that, because as I said in your book, it really has shone through everything and all the details. So I can't wait until it's out. And I have high hopes for what you're planning to do with this as well and what will follow on. But also going back to your story and your solo journey. And you've also got a new podcast out, which I'm really happy to hear about as well, because that's another platform for you to speak to expectant mothers on that journey as well. And you've documented quite a few scenarios and you've talked about a few topics which I find of interest so you talked about like five awesome things about being a lone mama so tell us all about that what how can we shout that we're awesome as single parents how can you inspire somebody else with your five things I guess the again it's another one of those moments where you sort of notice what judgments and what stories you might be telling yourself about what a single mother or a lone parent or a a solo mama is and you start picking those apart and recognizing that actually the media for example or um, politics for example very rarely shines single mothers in a positive light and a lot of the stories that we have about single mothers are based nine times out of 10 on what we see in those ways. So I guess that one of the the main things with the awesomeness of being a, a lone parent is the fact that you become empowered in your own abilities. So you kind of really ta- have to tap into, okay, what are my resources? Because we can lean on other people, we can ask for their support and for their help. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to to this. It's going to come down to this body right here. It's it's going to come down to me and my my kid or my kid. And and the power of that, the the kind of the grace within that, I think, is so so massive. Once we are able and ready to accept it and to really recognise what we're capable of doing, so you mentioned earlier, like the different challenges that pop up and that come up throughout uh, any person's experience, but particularly in this case, the experience of a single mama. And every single time one of those challenges comes up, you always find a way, like it always works out okay in the end. And, And when it does, it's that continuous reminder of, it was you that did that. You did that. You stepped up, you found the strength, you um, put a a plan into place, you strategized in a way um, that made it possible for for you and your children to come through that experience. And that could be, you know, at first it's it's like the tiny, the tiny challenges, like, um, you know, that first morning I can, I can imagine um, the first morning when, when a husband walks out 
and you're having to get the children ready for school and you're thinking how am I going to do this without you know him making me my morning coffee or um, him being able to help with the children's shoes or him being the good cop while I have to be the bad cop and then you do it and your kids get to school and you're sitting in the car and you're like wow okay so yeah it was hard like you know life is hard but you can do hard things all of a sudden you realize I can do hard things like life is hard but I'm harder and I can step up and I can manage this and the empowerment of those those little moments is massive and then obviously on a much bigger scale I've got some of the women within my community they are literally like facing up to their ex-partners in court against some of the the biggest crimes that a man can commit against a woman and in those moments they're waking up in the morning and they're thinking how am I going to face this guy how am I going to face this guy that's done this to me who's left me in this position who um who who I'll always share this story with and then they do it they show up, they stand up in court, they share their story and then they go home and they hug their children and, and life goes on and they're made stronger by that experience, by the fact that they were able to face that challenge. And honestly, to be able to have that opportunity to, to remind ourselves of how incredible we are as women every single day, that is a gift. That is an awesome gift of being a lone mama. Yes. And I was actually reading a quote this morning about why we should be so thankful as mums ourselves. And it was talking about your body is helping you to breathe. It's helping you to think. It was just really talking about internalizing how we think about ourselves. It's always outwards sometimes on occasions. I don't like this part about my body. I may not like this about my hair, you know. It's like having that list each day of gratitude. And I know you talk a lot about the law of attraction and things like that. And and it is about the mindset. Just being a woman and a mum who has given life to another person, that is awesome in itself. And you've talked about the six friends every single mama needs and the four she doesn't. And that made me laugh so much because I've got a list of, yep, these, these are the types you don't need in your life. And these are the types that you do need in, in your life. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, I think that when I talk about, um, you know, needing a tribe and, and rallying that tribe and having a village, this is like such a a huge part of that experience is being really mindful about who you actually let into that. Um, because there, there's some great people out there and, and what you, especially if you are single from pregnancy, um, you'll notice that so many people will, will want to kind of be friends with you. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you might post something on Facebook, like a, a bump photo or something. And whereas your normal posts might get you know, four or five comments, all of a sudden you've got like 40 comments and, and there's, there's all these people that want to be involved and they want to know the story. That's, that's what it is. They want to know the story and they want to cuddle a baby because everybody loves cuddling babies. Um, and then, and then what you kind of start to, to realize is that whilst, whilst there are people that tend to come, come out of the woodwork, maybe from the past or people that you've, you've only met briefly who really, are there for genuine reasons. Maybe there's something in your story that's triggered something in them. Um, you know, maybe they were raised by a, a single mama who was single from pregnancy, or um, they themselves have been through that experience. And and you can really connect on a deep level with them. 
um, it's it's recognizing the difference between those people and then those those others that might not be there all the time for the right reasons and might be wanting to kind of keep you in a in a space of um, you know rehashing what's what's happened and and kind of gossiping and and getting really like buried in the the stories and the the negativity and the you know all of that side of things so like i i talk about going into the into the depths of of the muddy waters of what you're going through and what you're feeling um but always having that within a a safe container of of like if you're talking to someone else about it knowing that they that they can support you through that so that by the end of that conversation you are not left with an open wound um by the end of that conversation it's it started to slowly but surely turn around to and you can do this. Um, so yeah, you, all of this is going on and I believe in you and you can do this as opposed to, oh, and what did he say? And then what did you say? And then what did, you know, and all of that um, kind of messiness, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and the, there, is, there is a lot of that. And it's especially with social media these days and especially with um, the fact that a lot of the time there might be mutual friends between, between the two of, of you you know, you and your, your child's other parent. Um, and, and there will be at, at times people that are wanting to go between the two and, and stir the pot. So, so it's, it's really important to, to recognize that there are six types of people <laughs> um, that you want in, that you need fighting in your corner and that there are the, a few types of people that you definitely don't. Um, and, and keeping them at arm's length and, and having you know, a kind of emotional or energetic shield um, to to activate whenever they, whenever those other types of people are, are in the vicinity. It's, it's totally true. Just to be very witty about the situation, and also just understanding the psychology of people, they have many reasons of wanting to be your friend or being involved in your life, and some are not genuine. It's just life. That is just how it is. And it's always good to have that shield. I totally agree with you because that can impact on your raising of your child as well. And you, you don't want that. So going on to some common things that single mums experience. And I have been doing some research online and just having a look and common things that mums experience and just little things that may seem little, but they can be major things as well, such as attending appointments as well. And and not to mention the birth alone. How did you find that and go into that kind of birthing classes as well? How would a mum have to cope in that scenario? I'm speaking on behalf of the mums now. How would they feel? What what do they do in those situations? This is another big driving force for the for the book, actually, because as soon as I kind of got on board with the idea of being pregnant, um, I was like, okay, I need to. I want to buy some books because I that's the way that I I am. That's the way that I learn. I like to do some research and find out a case of what's happening right now and what can I expect and um, you know, where do I need to show up and, and that kind of thing. And as I was buying these books, I was so frustrated that like the answer to almost all of these questions is like, ask your husband. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you've got to go to, to an appointment. So make sure that you take your husband with you. And it would always say husband. It would so rarely actually, even in modern life now, say partner. It was almost always husband. <laughs> so it's like, you know, only only married women have babies, um, and only women that are married to men. 
have babies in accordance with a lot of the books that I was finding and and that just really irked me as well and you know it's it was like okay you've got a late night craving like ask your husband to go and buy your ice cream or your feet are swollen ask your husband to massage your ankles um ask your husband to hold your hand ask your husband for his verdict on what name to choose and and I was just like no like you don't need you don't need that you don't need a husband uh, like you know um micromanaging everything that that you do during your pregnancy um you you can be going to those appointments with with a friend with um a relative with a sister um you can be planning your birth experience with with your family like you know I I mean it's not the way that my birth experience ended up working out um because obviously it so rarely happens the way that you expect it will but I had totally planned a home birth experience and the reason why I'd done that was because I wanted my mum my dad and my sister to all be involved in that experience so I hired uh, an amazing doula um, a, a birthing coach and she she would come along um, every fortnight and she practiced hypnobirthing with me not only with me and my mom and my sister but even my dad was sitting there in his chair with his eyes closed imagining the uterus opening like a flower <laughs> and all of that good stuff um, and and you know we were all all together and we were all very much in on it and it was going to be a family experience which which normally normally it would have been me and my husband and you know you you're lucky if you've got a a really solid great partner who um is very intuitive and really understands the the experience of of pregnancy the experience of birth and and the the first 40 days a lot of a lot of partners particularly partners that haven't been through it themselves so so you know if if we um have any gay women that are listening they they may have a partner that has had a baby before and can and can apply their own experience a little but the vast majority of of coupled mamas don't have that and what you often find is that you know women are, are coming to me women that have husbands or have partners or did at some point they're saying oh you know my partner he was useless he he just kept making jokes he felt so uncomfortable he passed out he um, he couldn't understand, so we were arguing during the birthing experience, and um, and and all of these these different things, which are not the experience that you expect when you when you're feeling as though you're on your own and you don't have that romantic support. It's you don't you don't think about that, um, but it's but it can be quite a good benefit to to not have to navigate and negotiate with with a romantic partner during pregnancy labor and and the fourth trimester so um so I, w- I would say to to those moms that are listening that might be pregnant at the moment and and they are single um is is get in touch with with local services local support whether it's pregnancy coaches doulas um the organizers of birthing classes um, as well and, and pregnancy classes and be honest with them if you are feeling a little bit apprehensive about showing up without a romantic partner and say to them is it okay if I bring my sister or my mom or my best friend or or whoever it is the vast majority of the time it's going to be completely fine and sometimes they may be able to offer a more personalized experience for you um, or an online option if you still feel like you know what I just I just don't want to show up like that um, so there's, there's loads of options and, and I would hate for 
I would hate for pregnant women to feel as though they have to miss out entirely on on some of those, you know, the pregnancy yoga classes or the hypnobirthing or um, active birthing workshops just because they don't have the husband. And also another thing to expect as well, which is linked, is about surviving on one income. I know you spoke a lot about husbands mentioned in the the text that you've been reading. So how how did you cope? Yeah, so that was a massive, massive piece. I mean, in the self-development world, money and mindset is such a, a huge topic. And it's a, it's a massive topic for me. I'm always looking at my, my money mindset, my abundance mindset and, and all of that good stuff. And I don't think that it's, um, it's a work that's ever really finished um, because there are, there are so many stories that we tell ourselves about, about our earning potential, about our saving potential, about our, our ability to spend responsibly. Um, so, so many stories and it can, it can definitely ease the the strain if there is a second income um of course when you bring a second income in you bring a second person who has all of their own stories as well so that can that can sometimes um create some issues as well but when it came down to it um I I remember that was one of the things that I said to my dad when I was on the phone to him and you know telling him for the first time that I was pregnant and I said like I can't do this. I can't afford a baby by myself. And and my dad was like, babies don't cost a lot of money, especially not in the beginning. <laughs> like, you know, they, they're, they're going to need you and they're going to need nappies. And, um, you know, maybe they're, they're going to need milk if you choose not to breastfeed uh, a Moses basket. You can get all of these things secondhand. Um, the only things that, that they recommend against getting secondhand is like the car seat and the mattress for the Moses basket. Um, but they can, but they can be acquired at a really reasonable price. It's, it, I, I had found that it cost me a lot less financially than I expected that it would. Um, once I actually sat down and again, faced that fear and faced that story of, I can't afford a baby by myself. Well, sit down list out what a baby actually needs like what do they need in order to to survive essentially um you know they they need a a form of shelter well you know you can get that if you're a single mom you could get shelter for free if you really needed it you could seek the support of a charity there are plenty of charities out there it may not be what you expected or what you wanted for your your child's early early months or days or weeks or years um, but you can you can get it. You can get it for free. So they need shelter. They need um, f- like nourishment. So you know if you can breastfeed, that's a, a really really great way of, of feeding your baby for free. Um, and and they need nappies. Again, you can get um, reusable nappies. Some some councils actually even offer vouchers for families that are going to be using reusable nappies as a way of promoting that as a environmental, um, an environmental initiative. So apart from that, they're going to need your love. And if you've got time to, to be able to love them, then you're set. You are so set. And, and the money, it works itself out. You get a lot of gifts. You get a lot of secondhand um, sort of cast-offs from other people. Um, and like I say, there is, there is help through charities as well that can, that can support that. Um, and I, I would, 
I don't want any mum out there to think that she can't go ahead with the rest of a pregnancy purely based on her current financial situation. Um, because finances sort themselves out very, very quickly. Um, regret takes a lot longer to, to sort out. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Wow, that, that is really powerful. Regret, that far outweighs the kind of idea of finances. It's a life, mm. isn't it, as well? And some mothers will find themselves in situations through a pregnancy um, and how it came about. We don't know the ins and outs. Some could have had a terrible experience um, themselves, but for whatever reason, whatever journey they they decide to go on, I'm sure those emotions will all come into play. But yes, having counselling is a really good resource, especially if a parent is feeling in that situation that they they can't cope and don't know what to do. The counsellor is there to offer that guidance and to give the individual that opportunity to talk about their fears and then they can make those decisions themselves. But things like shopping and setting up their, you know, the baby Moses baskets and it's like, come on, we can do this all ourselves. And it's it's that kind of notion as mothers trying to do it all mum to be in that situation trying to do it all can we do it all I think I think that we can do it all but that doesn't necessarily mean that we should do it all so the the women that I've I've come across over the last couple of years are incredible women they are sheroes right they are these super women they don't nine times out of ten they don't realize that they are they don't realize that they could do it all if they if they really wanted to um but i i can see from as an outsider looking in that actually this woman could she could do it all she could do it all by herself if she really wanted to and if she really needed to but we w- the pressure that we get as women that we should do it all is the is so toxic and not helpful at all so can you do it all if you really wanted to and you really needed to yes yes you could do it all should you you do it all no like absolutely not if you can if you can get help if you can outsource anything then outsource it so that comes that comes right the way down to like you say um uh, helping to put the the travel system together or the the baby's cot together if you have a cot if you're choosing that um if you're not so great with putting things together and you know that you've got a friend that is why would you not ask them for for their help um oftentimes we feel as though asking for help is is a sign of weakness um but actually to to kind of turn that on its head a little bit Think about when you when you have the opportunity to help your friends or when you have the opportunity to help your family, how good it feels to be able to, to do that and to know, oh, you know what, they really needed my help there and I was able to show up and support them. You walk away feeling accomplished. You walk away with that warmth in your heart. Allow your friends and family that opportunity to feel that themselves because they they can see you they can see exactly what you're going through they can imagine what you're going through perhaps they've not been through it before themselves but they can see it they can imagine it and they want to help they will feel better if you let them help so being able to outsource and to have that support 
you know, in those those early days of um, of having your baby, if it's just you and your baby in the in the house, in the flat, wherever it is that you're living, and you think, you know what, I really, really need a food shop. And, and I'm not up to taking this baby out. Like I'm not there yet. I'm not ready just yet. Getting in touch with a friend and saying, you know, I need, I need eggs, bread, milk and cheese, like, or whatever it is. Like, can you, could you possibly like pop it over to me later today? That's the, the strength within the surrender is, is such, such an important part of being a mother, I think. Um, and so kind of practice, practice that muscle during your pregnancy. If you are there, practice um, strengthening that by, by asking for little bits of help every now and then. It doesn't have to be massive things. Um, you know, you, you might feel as though you're putting on other people, especially if it's a really big kind of um, task that you're asking for their support with. So start small, start with, with something tiny, ask them, ask them if they can drive whilst you go to the cafe to visit your favorite cafe the next time um and and let them do it allow them the grace of of helping and also on that note about asking for support as well in terms of your network what single um, mum networks apart from our own networks have been really inspiring for you and have helped you along your journey Ooh, that's a good one because I think that there is there is a lot of support out there. There's a lot of um, support networks out there. I think that in terms of them being inspiring and uplifting and empowering, um, there's probably less. There's there's definitely less. Um, I would say there's an app that's called Frollo. I don't know if you've you've checked in on that app before, Antonia. Yes, I have. Um, yeah, so that's a it, that can be a really really helpful app. Um, in the earliest days, there was the What to Expect um, forum for single mums. That's that was really helpful for me in terms of like asking, um, you know, the little questions that that pop up, like, um, you know, what what do I do about the baby's surname or. Um, you know, is, you know, maybe, I mean, this wasn't one of my situations, but I see a lot of women in that group saying, you know, my ex has has sent me this text, like, what does he mean? And, you know, can like sanity checks, essentially. So there there are other women in that group, um, in those forums that that can really help with that. Um, And then, and then Facebook groups, there's some, some really great Facebook groups as well, um, specifically for single mothers. Um, And, and so it's just kind of like digging them out, really, um, and and recognizing that each of these different environments has a completely different vibe as well. So so Frollo, um, the app that I mentioned just a moment ago, that's that's a single a single parent app. So there are men in there as well. You know, it depends on which um, hashtag you use as to whether whether the single dads can see or can interact with with that. Um, but you know that kind of uh, mixes things up a bit. That creates a slightly different um, atmosphere and different environment. Um, the what to expect group is is very much um, a lot of the time used by uh, women in sort of early earlier stages of pregnancy. Um, whereas then some of the Facebook groups are more um, geared towards single mums who who have become single as mums at any point in their experience. So, you you know, there are some mums in those groups that have been single mums for 40 years. Um, but then equally, the, there are women in that group that are single and pregnant at the moment. So 
there's a lot of wisdom I think to be found in in the Facebook groups um but yeah it's it's everyone's different aren't they and, they and and finding what it is that you you really need um social media is is really helpful for that yes and you also forgot about your own network yeah well of course <laughs> so so yeah my own network is um it's called single mamas shine um and we're on facebook and we're on instagram so um we've got a facebook group um, I think there's just over a hundred mamas in there at the moment, and they're all from all from different backgrounds. Many, many, or most of them were single during pregnancy, but then equally there are single mums that um, that are slightly further on in their journey. There are also a few single mums by choice in there as well, um, which is so. It's really nice to have that diversity, and and that's actually really helpful for some of the single mums that are in that group that are looking to have more children would like to have more children but don't have a partner they can ask for the support of the single mums by choice about you know what the donor experience was like and and IVF or IUI or or whatever um whatever route needs to be taken so so that's a really a really really great group and very much focused to to empowerment to upgrading to um there's not a lot of uh complaining that goes on in there it's it's not that it's a complaining free zone or anything like that um but you know as soon as as soon as someone has has something that's uh you know a more a more kind of mucky experience that they're going through we're like okay cool um what is it that's triggered this um, where does that all come from? What stories are you telling yourself? What experiences have you had that contribute to these beliefs? And how can we move forward from that? Um, and, you know, what examples can we find of, of other mums within the group that have been through similar? Um, so, so that's really great. And on Instagram, um, very much the, the same on Instagram, the, the hashtag is single mama shine as well. So um, we can be found on there. And uh, Pinterest we're working on at the moment as well. I love Pinterest. Um, the podcast, there's so many different different pieces. And then the mailing list as well. Um, so that's found at www.singlemamashine.com. Um, and that's where everyone can get those updates about the book and about the, the different opportunities to, to contribute and be a part of this movement as well. And I am really inspired by this conversation and I can't wait until the book is out. So yes, once it's out, let us know. And also just one final question. I know that you mentioned a lot about reading books and that you were inspired by many. And one book that I read, which I found really interesting and which really encouraged me as a woman was The Courage to Be Disliked. And it's about how to free yourself, change your life and achieve real happiness. And that actually changed my life as well. Such an amazing book. And yeah, so any final words that you would like to inspire mums with, with a quote or just anything that you feel that you can give before we finish this conversation? Yeah, it's just essentially that that life is hard, but you can do hard things. That idea, again, um, for me, I feel like it deserves repeating because this experience that we're going through as single mums, it's definitely not 
always the easiest route you know for a lot of us um what might feel or we might convince ourselves is the easiest route is to stay in a toxic relationship or um you know tolerate something that that doesn't feel good to us and and ultimately to end up putting ourselves and our children through the consequences of doing that but the fact alone that we have made the decision and committed to the fact that we are going to be single mothers and we're going to do this and we're going to make the the best of this situation and raise these children in a way that is going to improve the overall conscious collectiveness of the planet like it's a massive thing being a mother um you know that that in itself is is that kind of glimmer of of hope and that little glimmer of we can do hard things we have been thrown this experience and we're stepping up and we are facing it every single day that doesn't mean that there's not going to be hard days there's not going to be tears there's not going to be um moments where we we really think oh maybe i should maybe i should go back or maybe i should um you know find another another partner um but to be able to to be safe in the knowledge that actually we've been through so so much to get to the point where we are right now and we've always come out of it and we're still we're still standing we're still breathing we're still going about our daily business and we're still raising these children that tells me that although life gets hard you can do hard things and you've got this yes on that note we have got this mums you have got this Thank you so much, Gabriella, for joining me today. And we can't wait to hear about all of the achievements that you're going to have with your journey and your book. And yes, good luck with everything and make sure you keep in touch. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you.